Welcome. This is the Life Habits podcast series, and my name is Carl Vredenberg. This is the series that helps you to learn new habits to optimize your life in order to stay sane in this crazy world. This is episode number 87, and the topic for today is thinking errors that hurt your health. And you may well expect that on that topic that I have Marie-José Char with me back again, and I do. So welcome, Marie-José. Thank you for having me, Carl. I love being here. And we love having you. And this topic, I think, is really intriguing. So we've talked before on a variety of the podcast episodes about various aspects of how to improve your health. And I love this notion of you coming back and saying, well, there's some things that you could fix in the way that you think about your health that really And once you address that, you could even optimize further the various things that you've talked about on previous episodes. So why don't you give us an overview of the kinds of things we're going to be going through? Yes, absolutely. So usually I talk more about how to cultivate the good things in our lives. But it doesn't mean that the bad things don't happen or that the bad thoughts don't emerge out of the blue every now and then. And so today I'm going to be talking about those a little bit more and how to to sterilize them, uh, to, to take from Benjamin Hayden's quote, who says, fortunately for serious minds, a bias recognized is a bias sterilized. So we're going to try and do that today and sterilize six thinking errors and and even go a step further and also talk about what what we can do not only to just sterilize it, but to, to take advantage of it. So that's, that's the goal. So why don't we get started with number one? I'm going to start by sharing a story. And those of you who know me may know this story already. It's the story of how I met my husband. And so I guess I just gave up the punchline before <laughs> I started the story. Uh, but um, it started with his father, who was my dad's best friend, who thought that I was the perfect uh, wife for his for his son. And so he kept bugging me, meet my son, meet my son, meet my son. But of course, I wanted nothing to do with his son because I had heard over the years all the stories of what he had done with his friends that I shouldn't have heard maybe or that kind of thing and and, um, and he also lived far away and I didn't want to leave my hometown so the more his father insisted the more I resisted meeting him Finally, his father, four years later, insisted so much that I said, all right, Bob, just so you get off my case, I will meet your son, I will meet him once, and then let's be done with this conversation. And Bob shook on this <laughs> on this transaction very confidently, and he organized a first date. Now, I got ready for that first date with the same level of enthusiasm as I do when it's time to clean my garage, <laughs> which means... <laughs> next to a zero. <laughs> and then I went through the motions trying to prove to myself that this wasn't going to work. So I'm going to leave the story at this right now and I'm going to finish it up at the end of the podcast. Mm-hmm. But what I wanted to illustrate with this story is that there is no one so blind as those who will not see. And so I wanted this relationship not to work. Well, I didn't want to start a relationship to begin with with this guy. So I went through the motions to try and prove to myself that we were not meant for each other. And that is what we call the confirmation bias. And the confirmation bias says that what you believe to be true, you will find a lot of information confirming what you're thinking. And it's like you have an internal lawyer that's seeking out the proofs that you're right. And what you don't want to be true or what you don't want to see, then your internal lawyer is finding ways to discredit the sources that are saying the opposite of what you want to hear. So for example, if you're an avid jogger, 
you're likely to find a lot of information saying that it does nothing wrong to your joints. It's actually a good thing to jog when you, even if you have a knee problem or something, because it's going to strengthen them. Whereas if you want nothing to do with jogging, if you'd rather go blind than go for a run, mm -hmm. <laughs> then you're likely to find information saying that running is damaging to your knees, your joints, your ankles, and it increases the chances of injury. So confirmation bias can hurt your health if you are using it to confirm poor habits. So, for example, if you are trying to deny the effects of your sleep deprivation, or if you're trying to convince yourself that three servings of fruit and vegetable each day is, is plenty, it's good enough. You know, the research is inflating how much we need. So confirmation bias is something that can definitely hurt your health. And this one is one that I think is amazingly influential in all aspects of our life, but it's probably the most damaging when it comes to the errors in thinking and the confirmation bias regarding health. And the examples you gave were excellent ones in terms of anybody looking for anything that will support what it is that they wanted to do anyway. So if you're sedentary and you want to have some excuse for doing that, you're going to go right. find evidence to support that point of view. So what do we do about it? Well, the first thing is to ask ourselves, is our internal lawyer trying to promote healthy behaviors or is it trying to go against them? So if you are uh, finding yourself always justifying not sleeping enough, not eating enough fruit and vegetables, being okay with fast food, being sedentary, then your internal lawyer needs a little injection with you know health promotion of some sort. So something that you can do is to start seeking information that confirms that you are on the right track when you are putting in some effort. So it might require a little rewiring, but if you are looking to start eating a little bit more fruit and vegetables, for example, then go out and find some information that says all the benefits you're going to get from that. If you're seeking to start sleeping a little bit more, go ahead and read about the benefits of getting rid of our sleep deprivation. And that should boost your lawyer a little bit and do it with a very open mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that should boost your lawyer a little bit so that he or she starts to work in a healthy direction. So you want to counter kind of the negative information or your natural inclinations or that you know, internal lawyer going and finding confirming information and force yourself to actually read and take seriously and internalize some of that information that that internal lawyer is not wanting you to go and have a look at. Great stuff. The next one, we're going to go to sunk costs. So the more time, the more energy, the more money we've invested into something, the, the less we are likely to let it go the more we want to hold on to it and we want to see it through or we want to see it to completion or to success, right? So um, that's the case, for example, when we've invested some time over a series of weeks watching a TV show and now it's no longer as interesting as it used to be, but because we are now invested in it, we're going to see it through the end. Mm -hmm. Or that's also the case um, when we are going to a restaurant and we have ordered a meal that sounded delicious. Now the waiter has just dropped in front of us a sumo size portion, but because we've paid good money for it, we're going to eat the whole thing. The fear of losing something we've already invested ourselves into can hurt our health habits. So we either eat too much or we stay up past bedtime. Um, sometimes we might be working too long, um, even if it's not necessarily uh, required that day, but we work past our workout time, for example. Some people may have a tradition of going out way too late every Thursday night with their co-workers, but because it's been a, a tradition, they don't want to let go of it. So you're sticking to what it is that you've already got in motion. And if that's not a good thing, <laughs> then you're sinking costs further into something that is not going to be good for you. So an excellent other one that uh, we need to address. 
I love the name uh, sunk costs as well, or the title you've given to this aspect of errors in thinking. Can you tell us a little bit about how we can counteract this whole tendency toward, as you call it, sunk costs? Absolutely. Well, the first thing is to uh, recognize when does our reluctance to let go hurt our health. Very often, if we're through that meal and we're feeling, oh, I'm getting stuffed, but there's still some good food on my plate, we realize we're there. And so it's the time to to just say, okay, it's a sunk cost. I'm not getting any more benefits out of the next bite. I'm probably not going to enjoy it even, right? So realize what they are doing in your life, but then you can also flip the switch to them working to your advantage. And how to do that is to start investing in a health coach, in a personal trainer, in some sessions with a registered dietitian. Because if you have spent more time, more energy, more money to find a good professional and then to pay for their services, now you're increasing the costs of what they have done for you. And so as you're doing that, you won't want to let go. So you're tricking yourself into now realizing that you've now uh, sunk some costs into some positive things that you're doing about your health and your life, and you'll want to continue on with that as well. All right, now we've fixed our confirmation bias, Marie-José, and we have now sunk costs into positive things for our health. What's next? The next one is loss aversion. And all of those uh, biases and thinking errors are probably not new to your listeners. They have probably heard of them uh, via other podcasts before. But I think the newness is to bring them in the light of our health context. So loss aversion, we all hate to lose, that's for sure. And there are some famous quotes that say that... um, Failure is more important than success. For example, Bill Gates says, it's fine to celebrate success, but it is more important to heed the lessons of failure. Now, this is very common thinking. I'm not sure if I agree with it, being Mm -hmm. from the field of positive psychology, although I have to say that it's hard to disagree with Bill Gates when it comes to success. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, that, that... serves to prove that we have a fear of failure or or an aversion for loss. So actually studies estimate that losses have twice the psychological impact of an equivalent gain. People would rather not lose than they would rather gain. And so as a result of that, we're afraid to be missing out on things. Um, That's why we choose the happy hour over going to the gym, for example, because we don't want to miss out on what could happen at the happy hour. And that's why we stick to Facebook much past bedtime, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because we don't want to be, you know, out of whatever is going on on Facebook. So um, the loss aversion, the fear of missing out on things can be detrimental to our health. And what do we do about trying to turn that around? Well, number one is to realize when are we consistently choosing against sound health behaviors? Maybe you'll realize that you're always afraid to miss out on something and so you sit at the office too late and so you go to bed too late and so you go to all the parties because you're afraid to be missing out on things. So realize what domain is it that you are doing that in and is it really worth it? Now, once you've realized that, if you want to flip the switch and use it to your advantage, then also realize what you are losing in the health category. Maybe you have been losing your cardiovascular capacity over the last couple of years. Maybe it's your, your, your muscular strength. Maybe it's your flexibility. Maybe it's your vitality, your energy levels. And try and put more emphasis on the loss of those healthy things versus the loss of the not so healthy things that seem to be driving you a little bit more at the moment. So we've now fixed our errors in thinking with regard to confirmation bias, 
our sunk costs and the loss aversion. And what's next, Marie-Josée? The next two may seem a little bit contradictory, but they're not. So mm-hmm. we have an optimism bias about future events, and we have a negativity bias about current events. So I'm going to start by describing the optimism bias about future events, and that's the whole thinking of, well, it won't happen to me, mm-hmm. right? We hear that one in eight women will have breast cancer, oh, but it won't be me. We hear that by 2050, one in three adults will have diabetes, oh, but it won't be me. You know, I, I might be overweight, I might be sedentary, I might not be eating the right foods, I love sugar, but it won't be me. So we love to think that way because it helps us deal with the realities of what's going on around us and what we think um, is, is undesirable, obviously. And what's really funny is that when I run wellness workshops, I ask people, how many of us are definitely a below average driver? And in the room of 200 people, there will be about six or seven hands up in the air, including mine. <laughs> My husband told me enough time. I know I'm below average. <laughs> but if you have 200 people, we should have 100 hands up, mm-hmm. right? So we're all very optimistic about ourselves and what's going to happen in our lives and that kind of thing. So optimism bias can hurt our health because we're thinking, I don't need to worry about my diet. I don't need to worry about my exercise. I'm fine and I will be fine as I am and as I will be. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you do about that one? This one sounds really, really damaging because this is the one that regardless of what kinds of things people may even hear, everything they read about what problems they may be encountering, they're just going to ignore all of those and have no impact on them whatsoever until it's too late. And then they'll be definitively experiencing, you know, some of those negative uh, effects. How, how do you counteract this particular one, Marisha? Well, this one is really just be honest with yourself. You know what you're doing. You know you know if you're sleep deprived. You know if you don't eat right. You just know it. You, 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 nobody ignores the state of their habits. We may try to pretend it, they don't matter, but really, we know. And so focus on what you what you know to be true and then compare it to what you're already doing. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not a huge solution, but it, it is the solution. Now, what I suggest people do about it to try and flip the switch a little bit more is to try and be optimistic about the results you'll get for the effort you provide. Mm. So if you decide, okay, I realize that I'm way too sedentary, and so I'm going to start and walk 10 minutes a day. Let's say that's all you're willing to commit to, walk 10 minutes a day. Well, then be really optimistic about what that 10 minutes a day is going to do for you. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to lose 50 pounds in a year doing that. In fact, if that's what you do, you might lose about 7, 8, or 10 pounds depending on your starting weight. Mm -hmm. But try and be optimistic that you will feel a lift in your vitality, that you will feel a drop in your stress levels, that it will fill your lungs with clean, fresh air. And be optimistic about that instead of saying, well, it's only 10 minutes a day. It's not going to give me a whole lot of results. It strikes me too that, you know, like when we were talking about the confirmation bias as well, that a lot of the real difference that we can make here is recognizing that our mind has these influences on us. Right? That if we mm-hmm. are aware of the fact that we have an optimism bias and that when we hear any kind of indications of impact on health negatively and the like, and that we say, it won't be me, and you'll mm-hmm. be optimistic about that, realizing that that's what human beings do, <laughs> that they have this yes. tendency of having this optimism bias and negative bias on other topics, that being aware of that, catching yourself in the act of actually doing that, 
Like as you're as you're reading a report about some some health issue, let's say, or or information about sleep, like you just described just now, the natural reaction would be, well, that's not me. As you've said many times before, I'm good on that. I'm fine. I can do without sleep. I can multitask like crazy. I'm I'm fine. I mean, I, I can ignore all the research because it really doesn't apply to me. Right. Realizing that human beings. And our minds have this tendency and these various tendencies that you're describing here, I think is half the battle or even more than half the battle to catch yourself in doing these things, to be able to actually stop yourself and say, wait a minute, I just did this, you know, analysis of this, of this study I just read and just convinced myself that it wasn't relevant to me. Actually, you know, I remember this podcast that Marie-Jose did on the Life Habits podcast, and she talked about that, hey, we have this tendency to actually you know, have this optimism bias and, and not take seriously those kinds of things. And you know what? I'm going to catch myself in, in doing that. And I'm going to read this study and say, okay, how do I want to change, you know, my behavior with regard to this? So a lot of these errors in thinking are incredibly important because they're a lot of the time the things that prevent you from doing the very activities and behaviors and developing habits that we've talked about on many previous podcast episodes. And if we don't solve these ones, or at least be recognizing that we're doing this, we're not going to be able to change the behavior, right? Those biases and those thinking errors serve a purpose. Mm -hmm. And they serve the purpose of making us feel better about the decisions that we have probably already made, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And and sometimes it's okay to try and make ourselves feel better, but we really have to weigh the consequences of continuing in a direction versus changing our mind. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's okay to keep in our, in our current direction, but sometimes the costs of not changing our mind are way heavier than the costs of feeling bad about saying, okay, maybe I got to change something. Mm -hmm. We've talked before on this podcast series about topics like mindfulness of being in the moment and stepping back and realizing what it is that we're doing or not doing. I think a lot of what you're describing here, Marie-José, is, is everybody's sort of just bowling ahead without thinking, uh, without st yes. stepping back and thinking, well, wait a minute, I, am I fooling myself here? Is my mind, you know, influencing me to, as you say, to make me feel good about myself? But in actual fact, if I want to really be healthy and be truly happy, I really should be counteracting a lot of these kinds of errors in thinking. Absolutely. Actually, those errors in, t in thinking come from the fact that our ancestors had to very often make really, really quick decisions because obviously our jaws, our claws are not threatening next to a crocodile or a mm -hmm. bear. We're not fast next to a lion or a puma, right? So if we were able to survive, it's because we were able to think quicker, brighter, sharper, and take action in response to the threats in our environment. And so to do that, we have developed thinking patterns that are really fast, but not necessarily completely accurate. So none of what I'm describing today can be a life-threatening bias or thinking error when we're faced with an angry lion, um, but they become, they become more dangerous in today's context. And our thinking is also not as geared to kind of the longer term uh, benefits. Like you say, our minds are geared for that immediate, uh, how do you yes. make a really quick summary and assessment of a situation, come up with a, a conclusion very quickly of information that is really complex to be able to make sense of it quickly, as you say, but it doesn't serve our needs a lot of the time to be making quick snap judgments like that when we're talking about things that impact our long-term health. That's right. What's the next one? 
So earlier I said there was optimism, optimism bias about future events. There's also negativity bias about current events. And that one is very easy to illustrate. Let's say you go to work, you have a normal day, pretty good, you know, have lunch with a coworker, this, that, the next thing. It goes pretty well. But there's one thing that does not go well. You have a meeting with your boss and they're not happy with the last report you sent in, for example, or your sales results this quarter or whatever the case may be. When you go home at night, what are you going to be talking about with your loved ones? that one thing that mm -hmm. did not go well, right. right? So we have a high negativity bias. Negative emotions have more impact on us and on our day than positive emotions do. Now, that's not really good for our health because negative emotions are associated with biochemicals like cortisol, for example, which is a stress hormone. And it's not a stress hormone as if, oh my God, there's a, I was traveling, I was crossing the street and there's a car coming my way. That's adrenaline that's getting you out of the way. Cortisol is the nagging, unfinished tasks, the conversation that be that keep being repeated in our minds. That's what cortisol does. Um, but cortisol makes us want high sugar, high fat food. It causes insomnia. Mm -hmm. So it's not good for our health habits. Now, if we were to focus a little bit more on the positive emotions or learn how to boost the positive emotions, then we would not only reduce that cortisol, but we would also boost serotonin and oxytocin and dopamine, which are more feel-good hormones and biochemicals that help us be more self-regulated and so diminish our food cravings, help us sleep better at night, help us be more self-regulated with our emotions and with our intentions to work out. And increasing your positive emotions, I might suggest that listeners that haven't yet listened to two episodes ago was on the topic of happiness and uh, mm -hmm. increasing happiness. And so there's a lot of advice there too on how do you increase your focus on positive as compared to the negative. Absolutely. I'm sure your listeners are familiar with the gratitude journal, the random acts of kindness, some resilience <laughs> tips. Uh, I wrote an article called Try These Mood Boosters If You Dare. So if somebody has missed your previous episode and just wants to scan quickly through something fast, they can also look that up. Uh, for the whole biochemical thing, if some people were not able to quite wrap their mind around it as I was saying it, they can also go to bit.ly slash wellness model. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash wellness model for a summary of it. Okay, now we've pretty well knocked off most of these thinking errors, but is there one remaining one? There is one last one. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and it, it's the desire to fit in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that last one was trying to fit in real hard too. <laughs> so we all want to feel like we belong. We want to be part of a group. And this is why teenagers can do really silly things when they get with their, together with their friends. <laughs> right, right. And we can all remember what that pressure felt like. And we know that it still exists, even if we are now adults, you know, in the workplace, how what's proper behavior, what's expected of us. And we want to fit into that. And so in a society that gratifies sleep deprivation, that makes fast food so easy and convenient, that says to people, you should be sitting in front of your screens, whether that's TV or your work screens, for over 12 hours a day. Mm -hmm. In a society like that, it is hard to promote the healthy behaviors. It is the easy thing is to do what's expected. And so obviously that's also detrimental to our health. So what I'm recommending people do is ask themselves who in your network 
are the ones who maybe twist your arm or who consistently take you away from your the healthy behaviors that you intend on taking on. So maybe when you are with your brother-in-law, you tend to eat more all the time. Maybe he's the one with whom you like to stay up real late. Maybe there's somebody else, uh, your, your neighbor is the reason why you skip the gym most of the time. So recognize who are these people that are taking you away from your health intentions and see if you can have a conversation with them, not accusing them of anything, obviously, but to say, hey, you know what? I've realized that when we hang out together, I I tend to eat more fatty food or I tend to go to bed a little later. And I'd like you to be my partner in making sure that we we do the opposite instead because it matters to me that, that I am a healthy person or that I develop better behaviors. You've mentioned before, too, we're talking about uh, wellness cultures that you also want to associate yourself with, you know, positive people so that if you want to fit in and you're fitting in within a an overall group that is championing the very positive things that you're wanting to, to do, that's where you can use this fitting in approach to your benefit as well, right? Yeah. And for those who want to use the fitting in approach in a positive way at work, mm-hmm. I wrote a blog post uh, about how to create healthy pressure. So people who would like to go check that out, it's on bit.ly slash healthy pressure. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash healthy pressure. Sounds great. Any any final thoughts? I want to leave the last words to Frank Clark, who said, we find comfort among those who agree with us and growth among those who don't. So let's find growth together. So let's go back to the story of how I met my husband. I went to this first date. I was not enthusiastic at all. I went through the motions throughout this first date, and I was kind of intrigued at times. It kind of went well, uh, although I was in my mind trying to always say, oh, but it's not going to work. Oh, but it's not going to work. And when things were going fun during the the date, I was thinking, oh, he's he's playing a game. He's not for me. He's not for me. But when I got home that night, I was kind of intrigued. I kind of wondered, what if I had not been there to prove to myself that it can't work? How would it have been if I had been just a little bit more open-minded? And I started to be very tickled by that. And so when he asked for a second date, I said yes, and it went well. And when he asked for a third date, it went even better. (laughs) And at the end of that third date, when he waved goodbye, I don't know what happened. He must have sent some angels my way or something when he, the gesture of his hand, it just swooped me off my feet. So... So, and he, yeah, he, we, we got married and it's been a happy story ever since. So thank goodness I was able to get over the confirmation bias. Well, it's a wonderful story and we're glad that it worked out the way it did, but it also, <laughs> I think, tells the story incredibly well in terms of really realizing what we're doing within, within our own minds and how we actually need to change and how we can change the way that we perceive our environment in a positive way. And so and we're really glad you did and are <laughs> and now so <laughs> ha- happily married and, and the, uh, the rest is history. Uh, so this, is, this has been a really, really important topic. You've done a, a great job of articulating each of these errors in thinking and what we should do about them. Just before we finish up, be great if you could just tell the listeners again, those who may not remember how to get a hold of you and how to get to. You've given a few URLs, but maybe you could just give some information as to how people could find out more about you and what you do. I would be glad to. Thank you for asking. So my website is smartsandstamina.com. So that is smarts, S-M-A-R-T-S, and A-N-D, stamina. 
facebook.com. I am also on facebook.com slash smarts and stamina, all spelled out as well. On Twitter, it is at GotSass. And so with those channels, it's going to be very easy to find me. I would love to hear from any one of you. We also have a book on Amazon. It's also called Smarts and Stamina. So if you Google that or if you look on Amazon directly, Smarts and Stamina, we offer 50 avenues to build strong health. And I can certainly tell anybody that hasn't seen any of that material that is incredibly worth it. I think Marie-José and her colleagues have done an amazing job of not only putting that book together that we've talked about in the past, but also a lot of very, very helpful information on the the Facebook page and the various other social media coordinates that she just described as well. So just before we finish up, just wanted to also mention if anybody wanted to provide any feedback on this session, connect with other listeners of this podcast series, you can also go to facebook.com slash life habits as well. Which is also a great page. I love it. <laughs> you post great content. Well, thank you so much. And thank Thanks to Marie-José. Thanks again for being a guest on the podcast series. I love it when you're a guest on the series. I do too. I hope that I see you again sometime in the near future. We will for sure. And thanks (laughs) to all of you who listened as well. And we'll talk to you all next time. And bye for now.